It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Thursday episode of Locked On Raptors, we continue our season in review series going player by player through the wreckage that was the 2022-23 Toronto Raptors. And today we dig into Gary Trent Jr., who may have found a home as a six-man, but will he occupy that home for long? Will he even be in Toronto beyond this season? We'll dig into those questions and more with our pal Jamar Hines from Raptors Republic. Let's get to it. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the bridge of the Hail Mary 3 by Mopey. Get that garbage out of here. Uh-huh. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1385 of Lockdown Raptors for Friday, April the 20th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley. We're covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can follow the show on Instagram. Just search Lockdown Raptors. Uh, you get clips, you get episode prompts, mailbag prompts, all that good stuff. You can even DM me and have chats with me on Instagram. What about that? Also, we got a Discord channel. Jump on into the Discord server for Lockdown Raptors. Yeah, the, the link is in the description of the podcast, whether you're listening or watching on video uh, lots of fun in there and if you're in the discord you get to be part of these season in review episodes because i'm taking a discord question today about the player in question over each of these player reviews we'll get to that later on in the segment we're going to dig into gary trent jr's season on today's show and uh try to sort out the very odd ball that is his offseason and all the different directions it could go for the Raptors. We'll do all of that with Jamar Hines, who is here from Raptors Republic, who two weeks ago on the show, we were talking about what we were going to be doing the next time Jamar was on the show. Would we be in the midst of a series against the Milwaukee Bucks? Or would we be talking about Gary Trent Jr. season or something? I believe that's a direct quote. And guess what? We're talking about Gary Trent Jr. season. Jamar, how are you, man? I'm pretty good. Yeah, the Raptors didn't hold their end of the bargain. We st- I was saying maybe <laughs> they would be like down 2-1 against the Bucks or something, which which wouldn't even be in the case because oh, Miami's only played two games against them. But mm-hmm. still, didn't have to hold their end of the bargain. I figured the season might be over by this point. I was kind of right, but you know. Did you know. predict it was going to come at the hands of a shrieking nine-year-old, though? No. No. <laughs> DR was the X Factor, for sure. The X Factor, DeRozan, absolutely. Uh, Let's uh, dive on into Gary Trent Jr.'s season, shall we? Of course, these review episodes, we're starting with the good stuff up top. What happened Mm -hmm. that was good? What were the the positives? Uh, We'll get into some of the negatives and things to be worked on for Gary Trent Jr. this summer, plus the the off-season questions in our Discord question of the day. But for you, Jamar, this was, I think, on the whole... A pretty good Gary Trent Jr. season, 17.4 points, 2.6 boards, 1.6 assists. You'd like more playmaking, but that's just not what Gary Trent Jr. does. He had a pretty bad start from three, if I recall, finished around 37%. Um, You know, had the mid-range game, the late clock bailouts, that type of stuff. And I thought 
for the most part, his play came more within the flow of the offense this year than it did last year, where it felt like at times last year he'd kind of commandeer things to not very great effect. This time, it felt like he was really getting most of his looks within the flow of what the Raptors were doing. He bought in, he moved to the bench and back to the starters and then back to the bench again. And after getting called out by Nick Nurse very early on in the season, he seemed to respond exceptionally well to that for a good long stretch of the year. What were your biggest positive takeaways from Gary Trent Jr.'s season? and anything that really stood out to you as the thing that you will associate forever with this uh, third and a half Gary Trent, second and a half Gary Trent Jr. season with the Raptors? Yeah, our thoughts kind of align. Uh, I think the as Gary's been here longer, you know, he's been more of the, in the flow of the offense. I know he had a couple of breakout games in Tampa, but he did take a lot of those uh, shots where it's like, what the hell was that? And then that's kind of gone down each year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that this year his numbers are took a slight dip from last year, but that's because his minutes were down because, you know, he was playing different roles. He was coming off the bench last year. He only uh, came off the bench for one game, mm-hmm. right? This year was about, I, I want to say about 20. So yeah, his numbers took a slight dip, but his uh, consistency, I feel like he was more consistent this year. He probably only had like one, like you mentioned at the beginning of the season, he, he was struggling, kind of struggling with his three point shot. And then he probably was, he's struggling down the, the stretch too, but he just came back from an injury. Uh, the, so other than that, like he didn't, he didn't have like a whole like month of bad play or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It was, it was pretty consistent. His field goal percentages went up. Um, the part that surprised me, just looking just looking up stuff on, on basketball reference, is that uh inside three feet, it went for his percentages went from fifty-seven to seventy. Mm-hmm. So that's a little bit of a surprise because you know, sometimes when you're watching Gary, like from the eye test, it's just like, you know, sometimes, you know, finishing is an adventure. So Hell, even getting to the rim can getting be an adventure. To the rim, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's something I'm gonna get to in the in the negatives, but yeah, um, he really bought into the role of coming off the bench for a guy who, you know, you don't know his situation contract wise going into next season. That's always um, nice to see because, you know, guys who are in a, in a year like that where they can make more money normally, you know, you'll see them won't take kindly to that because, you know, that, that kind of may decrease their value. Mm-hmm. So him flowing in as a starter, flowing out off the bench, I, I was kind of worried about the uh, Norm Powell effect where, you know, when Norm was here a few years ago, you know, he was lights out as a starter, but when he came up to the bench, it's kind of like he was out of place, but mm-hmm. it felt like, it felt like Gary really adjusted. Well, um, there was a couple of games that he won simply just coming off the bench and, and knocking down like some instant offense, knocking down shots right away, helping that second unit. We all know the second unit as a whole was something vastly to be desired this season but there were a couple a little of games, bit a little bit <laughs> there were a couple of games that gary uh helped out with that i thought he was better just no i i mentioned you know inside three feet already but just two point mm-hmm. shots in general it, it felt like he became better in the mid-range he was already you know he was one of the guys that could obviously get his shot off at, at pretty much any point with his little step back game and stuff like that but it mm-hmm. felt like even that developed a little bit more this season where, you know, like you mentioned bailout shots, something like he was actually pretty good at those. So yeah. And over, overall, 
yeah, I'm, I was just I was just happy with the consistency that Gary brought throughout the season. Yeah, I, I think he was obviously like when you have someone who is from the Gunners mold, which is one of our favorite archetypes of player, just in terms of vibes. I think uh, you know you're gonna have feast or famine nights, right? And I do think the the problem. It's not even necessarily a Gary Trent Jr. issue. This was kind of what I was talking about on my Yakka Purtle episode a couple days ago. It's like, is it the guy's fault that his limitations kind of expose the team when they are exposed themselves just because there's no other options? There's no other backup plan? Um, mm-hmm. Like, yeah, sure, Yakka Purtle can get pulled out to the level of the screen and it's maybe not the greatest thing in the world, but like, is it his fault if he can't be conducive to every single matchup? And is it more on the Raptors to have contingency plans in place? That was kind of the thing with Gary is Gary doesn't have a good game off the bench. The Raptors are screwed. <laughs> and right. I think the dependence on him was too high, but uh, I-, I think that because they were so dependent on him, those bad games did feel sort of outsized in their badness when it actually, like, for the most part, he was pretty damn good and pretty reliable all season long. Um, you know, for the game against the Lakers where he goes 0 of 9, not the best. Like, he's got yeah. some tilted numbers he'll put up. He'll uh, he'll be along with our friends at Fast Break Breakfast in the International Stackhouse of Pancakes sometimes with, a, you know, a 2 of 20 or something like that. But yeah. um, for the most uh, part... It was, that it was LA efficient. trip was bad. That LA trip was, yeah. was bad. I think even the next game against the Clippers, I think that was horrendous. Two of eleven, was, maybe. Yeah, so two for yeah. twenty. Two for twenty <laughs> on that on that road trip. Um, defensively, did you? Um, you're more in tune with uh, individual players' defense than I am. I mm. I don't know if you saw anything different from last year. I mean, I, he, I I mean he he gambles. He he he'll get his, his steals here and there. Um, mm-hmm. it's kind of, you know, he can be exposed. I don't know if you saw a difference there. Let's, um, let's pivot into the, 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 the weaknesses area of the podcast, <laughs> shall we? You've set me up wonderfully, Jamar. So we're going to do that. <laughs> we'll come back on the other side, talk about Gary Trent Jr.'s defense, which I don't think is bad, but it's not what you want all the time. And so we'll, we'll, we'll dig into that one. And also some other fit questions and general concerns about Gary Trent Jr.'s game and whether there should be concerns as they look down the barrel of a very important summer as he can opt out of his contract. We'll get into that in just a sec. But first, gotta tell you about our dear friends over at eBay Motors, baby. It's really hard to uh, find the right parts for your car. It's harder than it should be. It's ridiculous. But eBay Motors is here to make it so that's not hard for you at all. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With the eBay guaranteed fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know which parts will fit that is just beautiful simplistic user interface you gotta love it you get your money back if you don't find the parts to fit because just like in sports confidence is the name of the game when you shop on ebay motors and with over 122 million parts to choose from that's m with a million with an m you'll be back in the game in no time after all it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed get the right parts the right fit and the right prices on ebaymotors.com let's ride eligible items only exclusions apply The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. 
Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we continue on here. Jamar Hines, Raptors of Public, along to break down the season that was for one Gary Trent Jr. Just a reminder, we continue our player review series of shows. Uh, there will be no episode tomorrow. Just a heads up, scheduling conflict stuff. So there's going to be no show tomorrow. We'll be back with a regular five-a-week uh, schedule next week, along with, of course, Ranking Every Raptor, which is the uh, brand new or the return of my old column from Raptors HQ, where I'm going to rank every player in Raptors history, 269, all the way down to one it's going to be a blast so uh, subscribe to the youtube channel for that um and we'll continue our player reviews next week if you want you can go back check out the og ananobi and yakka purtle reviews which the everyday listeners of the podcast will have already listened to but if you're not an everyday or become one and go listen to those shows all right let's dive in jamar the defense of one Gary Trent Jr. This was the thing that got him called out early in the season by Nick Nurse uh pretty pointedly and he responded pretty well from that I just I feel like the steals tend to give Gary this sort of reputation on defense of being a better defender than he is. And I just, I don't know if he really, beyond the steals, beyond being a pretty decent gambler, I feel like he doesn't bring a whole lot on that end, right? Like he's not a guy who you're going to say, go stay in front of a smaller guard and, and, you know, lock that dude down. He's not laterally quick enough for that. Uh, he's not really someone who's like big and bulky who can guard a guy on a switch in the post or anything like that either, right? Like he is kind of um, outside of the steals, a kind of non-entity on defense a lot of the time. Like I think he's not maybe the best screen navigator. He doesn't really do a whole lot in terms of outside of hawking passing lanes. Like he's not like an incredible off-ball defender or anything like that. Nothing really pops off the screen defensively with him, I guess is the thing. Um, and I guess it's a question of, are the steals enough to make it worth it? The Raptors, of course, kind of prided themselves on being the most steel-heavy team in the league, and they, it drives their transition game and all of that. But you know, it, it just, I don't know if it's quite enough, and it kind of exacerbates a lot of the issues of the defense. If you're kind of leaning on Gary Trent Jr. to be a gambler and go for steals, and he's only getting them half the time or less, you're exposing yourself on the back end, and that leads to all sorts of problems, and that he is not really suited to go and then rectify on the back end of those possessions. So that's kind of where I'm at with Gary Trent Jr.'s defense. Jamar, is there anything you see in his defense? And, and you know, does it matter, right? Like, is his three-point shooting so valuable on this team as one of the three guys you can actually count to hit them um you know is it so valuable that the defense you can kind of make your peace with in a league where Malik Monk is closing playoff games against the Golden State Warriors and uh there doesn't seem to really be a perfect defensive team out there right now offenses just have too much at their disposal can you get by with Gary Trent Jr. as a bit of a liability defensively if he is bringing you those steals which he did in abundance this year I was really hoping that you would find a positive. That's why I tried to spit it in the others, but uh, yeah, I I pretty much agree with you. Uh, I feel like with Gary, it kind of is what it is. You mm -hmm. kind of know what you're getting on the defensive end, especially especially in this uh, current scheme that we're playing. I don't know how yeah. you would be a different scheme, but yeah, I you're not gonna put Gary on anybody and ask him to lock them down. It's kind of just you're just getting by. Uh, can you get by like that? I think you can. Uh, I don't think Gary's defense was really the problem child of the Raptors this season. It was no. a lot of other things than that. 
uh, and especially needing Gary on the floor for three-point shooting. Yeah, in this in this day and age, I feel like you can get by with a so-so like below average defender on the on the court. You just mm-hmm. sch- schematic wise, especially in the regular season. You know, in a, in the playoffs, that's a little bit different. You know, seeing the same team team over, they make game plan for that. Try to get a lot of switches on that guy, but in the regular season, which is basically what the Raptors only played this year, I don't. There was. Aside from the beginning of the season, I don't think there was really a point where it's like, okay, yeah, he, like th- this is killing us. His defense is killing us. Uh, offensively, uh, I, I mentioned that he's finishing. He finished better within three feet yep. from fifty-seven percent to seventy. Uh, but driving, obviously, we mentioned is still a problem, and that's another thing where it's just like, I just think with him not being quick. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that's ever a thing that's going to improve. He can yeah. get a little bit more savvy with that, but it does look like an adventure anytime he tries to get in the rim, which is why get get to the rim. Sorry, which is why um you know to his credit, he's become better in the mid range game, the little step backs. I see that go up each and each year. So yeah, I just I, to me Gary's never going to be that type of guy that you know can drive and half court finish at the rim even in transition sometimes where mm-hmm. it's like he'll be on a two for one and this is he's awful in transition we don't have to lie about this like unless he's spacing oh, to the lying. corner I'm uh, yeah. not lying. And that's unless why he's bringing- like on the wing he stinks in transition it's bad and that's why i'm that's why i'm bringing it up and yeah a few raptors need to improve in transition because how many possessions did we see this season in transition where it's like a two for a two on one and it's just the the extra pass is just not there. Yeah. And then it's unless like, it's, it's Pascal, like, no one really seems to have a clue. <laughs> right. Yeah. You could put OG, you could put Precious, you could put Boucher, you could put a lot of people in this same boat where it's just mm-hmm. like they have that tunnel vision and they just go up. It does it's like a just a four shot and it becomes a wasted uh transition opportunity. So Gary, uh that this is why to be honest, I was surprised at the inside the odds. Uh, inside the uh, three feet that it was 70% because mm-hmm. I saw a lot of those this season. So I don't know. I, I don't have like a video breakdown of all his shots inside three feet. It's like, okay, you know what? You know what? You're okay. I guess it was 70%, but you know, I felt like the numbers kind of lied to me in that regard, but the numbers <laughs> are the numbers. So what do you want? And yeah. that also, uh, again, not being able to figure out two-on-ones or any any type of transition in general, that also goes into the playmaking. We mentioned that he averaged only 1.6 assists a game. Uh, that's really low for a guard. I don't care if you're a two-guard. It's just low in general. Um, I He did – every so often he had a game where he was really making the next pass and he would end up with like five assists or something like that. Mm-hmm. But that was kind of few and far in between. Uh, I, I feel, you know, as he gets more comfortable in the offense, I mean, that this is his, technically his third year, so you think he's comfortable enough. But I just, mm-hmm. I guess you have a lot of playmakers on this team already. With um, Fred, he averaged, what, close to eight assists. Pascal averaged just under six. Scotty's a guy. You could run the offense through him. So those are like three guys that Gary played with a lot. So his assist rate is not going to be high because normally he's the finisher. He's the guy that you will, you know, will come off like a pin down or a, or a spot up for three. So you're not he's really the Serge Ibaka. He's the trigger man. Yeah, exactly. You're not really yeah. giving it to Gary and say, hey, go make a play for somebody else. The only time you're really doing that is when he's coming off the bench playing with some of those guys who are not going to give him those good looks. And then maybe he can uh, – there's a few games where he, it was him and Scotty with the bench 
and maybe he was more of a facilitator then than mm-hmm. as opposed to just playing with the starters. When you're playing with the starters, I'm not really looking for Gary to finish. Even even Jakob, uh, mm, I'm trying to think. Well, the, the lineups were different since the Jakob trade, obviously. But yeah. a lot of times, like say, for example, like OG's out of the game or something. A lot of times, Gary's your worst passer in the lineup. I mean, I think Amy, when he walks on the floor, he's your worst passer, regardless so, of who's around him. <laughs> yeah. So in that in that instance, it's like, okay, how do you really improve in that when you're playing with other guys you'd rather have the ball in those type of scenarios anyway? Mm-hmm. So it's just like, I don't know. That's another thing that feels to me where it's just like it kind of is what it is. The, the 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 transition IQ definitely needs to improve, but in mm-hmm. terms of half court, I never see him to be a facilitator type of guy anyway. So I I just feel like that just comes with the territory. Yeah, I kind of wonder if maybe there's like a better version of Gary Trent Jr. Not in such a read and react offense, right? Because like he can okay. take a quick fire shot, sure. Like if it comes to him wide open, but like if he's forced to make the next play, yes, he has those counters to getting run off the line and he can go and score from those spots totally. But like you said, he's a hard time getting to the rim just volume wise. He doesn't really make his way all the way there. And as much as his little float game and his mid-range game are counters to getting run off the line and are ways that he can kind of work around that, you know, there's just not the playmaking off of that. There's not like the the next read coming out of Gary Trent Jr. Typically it comes to him, he gets run off the line, you know a shot's going up within a couple of steps. Like that, that's just kind of how it goes. And for a read and react offense, that doesn't really fit the bill and i wonder if there's just more of a structured setup where you can design stuff for gary Trent jr as a movement shooter as a guy who you're working around screens who you're making you're taking advantage of his shooting gravity and kind of removing the need to make those read and react plays within the flow of the way the raptors play offense like that i think would be a much better use of gary Trent jr and i think it ultimately comes down to at times this year he was a little miscast like the thing that stood out to me you go to his clean the glass plate the cleaning the glass page that is and they have it divided by how many minutes they played at certain positions uh 76 of his minutes came at the two guard 22 percent of his minutes classified as point guard which obviously different guys have the ball in their hands those classifications are imperfect but it speaks to the fact that he was often overextended having to be one of the one or two primary creators in these lineups and i just don't think that's gary Trent jr's bad maybe he thinks more of himself which gets into the question that we're going to get to in a second here which is do you bring him back will he want to come back is a six-man role something he's willing to occupy we're going to examine that in a second here jamar we'll come back in just one sec but first just a reminder that locked on leafs is your daily toronto maple leafs podcast digging into the buds game one was a disaster show game two is tonight the nhl playoffs are all over the place so you can expect the leafs to win like five nothing tonight probably uh either way mike and dave are previewing that game today over on locked on leafs wherever you get your podcast and on youtube so go check it out the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Jamar. Let's uh let's look into the little future here for Gary Trent Jr. Just to set the stage for what his situation is this offseason. He has a player option for 18.5 million dollars that he is very very likely to turn down. Even if 
He's not going to get that amount on an annual basis. I feel like there's an opportunity for him to lock in more long-term money here, which might be the kind of thing you want to do if you're Gary Trent Jr. Uh, the Raptors love his bird rights if he opts out and can re-sign him. And, you know, obviously there's the tax to avoid and all of that. Uh, all the different machinations of, you know, Thad Young's contract getting waived and what do they do with Chris Boucher, all that stuff. I'm not here to figure out the cap math. That's what the cap math experts are there to do. But... They can re-sign Gary Trent Jr. this offseason. The question is, should they? I know there's this stigma against losing guys for nothing, and the Raptors have had this be a problem in recent years, losing guys in free agency for no return. Can they afford to just let Gary Trent Jr. walk? His three-point shooting is really valuable. Obviously, it was maybe a little bit less of a driver of positive play this year than it was last season, where in 2021-22, when he was on the floor, the Raptors' offense was at its best. He was, along with Pascal Siakam, the guy that drove offense more than anybody else. This year, not so much. The Raptors' offense actually quite worse with Gary Trent Jr. on the floor, just 111.8 offensive rating. Uh, when he was off the floor, there were a couple points better. And overall, the Raptors were 6.7 points per 100 possessions worse with Gary Trent Jr. on the floor than not. I think that goes to my previous point of him being miscast as a too important player in bench units that had no good players or no effective players at least playing well. Um, but all of that taken into account, the fact that his three-point shooting on this team is incredibly valuable on account of there is a, a, not exactly a surplus of it up and down the roster. What do you think the Raptors should be doing with Gary Trent Jr. this offseason? Should they be doing everything they can to keep him? Or is he maybe the kind of guy who you can let walk and not feel so bad and have a little extra financial flexibility as a result of not paying him and feel like that's worth the trade-off? Oh, the offseason. All right. <laughs> All right. I think the Raptors probably have a price in mind where, you know, they'll offer up to this point and if a team wants to you know if he wants more and a team is willing to pay him more than that line and you know so be it they'll they'll let him walk uh i guess that's probably the right move but i feel like i feel like there's that's probably a domino effect of other more significant moves this offseason mm -hmm. i don't know what the hell is going to happen uh it, it feels like this whole runs from the getting Jakob at the trade deadline to pushing for a playing spot to getting knocked out in the first playing game. It was like, that was kind of their chance to see, okay, what can you do with this team? That was pretty relatively healthy down the stretch. I know that was a problem last year, especially in the playoffs, but this time around, that's not an excuse. So mm. is that, the driving force now to where it's like okay pick a direction you know a lot obviously a lot of people wanted to see you know assets being traded at the deadline and that never happened so it's like they gotta obviously if there's a trade regarding i don't know i feel like everybody's on the table right now except for maybe scotty <laughs> so it's, it's like what do you do if do you explore a trade for pascal do you resign fred um mm. what about og and then it kind of comes down to gary uh the foot i think it's more honestly i feel like it's more of does gary want to come back whether than we want to keep him because yeah you know a guy going like i said a guy going to the bench in a year like this where you know he could command more money it's kind of counterproductive so it's like does he look somewhere else where he could get a starting gig or 
is he willing to come back here where he's, you know, obviously the last games he was here, he was off the bench. So it's kind of like, and then I'm, I'm just talking about players. What about Nick Nurse? So it's like, <laughs> well, 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 are we going to still have Nurse? What other coach are we going to gonna have? Is that style going to work with Gary? So there's, mm-hmm. there's so many question marks. It's really hard to tell what the Raptors are going to do regarding him because they could be playing, they could be playing a completely different style last uh, next year. And it remains to be seen if Gary would fit with that style. So prediction wise, I don't freaking know, (laughs) but um, yeah, I just, overall, I just think that they probably have a price in mind where they would like to keep him, but Mm -hmm. I feel like that price is going to be a little bit lower than what Gary actually wants. And then whether he stays or not is basically up to him. That's my thing is I don't really think that the market for Gary Trent Jr. is going to be what Gary Trent Jr. probably thought it was going to be a year ago for Gary Trent Jr. Right? Like it, it, it's the, the cap space teams. Let's just run through the teams that are projected to have at least around the amount of cap space that would be required to sign a Gary Trent Jr. Uh, the Houston Rockets, their whole team is built out of worse versions of Gary Trent Jr. I don't think they need more guard play on that team. Uh, if anything, they should be, uh, you know, like revisiting what they look for in their guards, period. The Orlando Magic, uh, I guess they could use Gary Trent Jr. shooting. They also have a bit of a guard glut. They've t- been talked about as a Fred Van Vliet team. I don't know if the Magic really strike me as a Gary Trent Jr. team in just sort of spirit. They love the long boys and who play good defense, and I don't know if Trent really fits that bill. Um, You have the Spurs. I can't imagine they're going to be making any sort of win-now moves right now. The Jazz, same deal. The Thunder, their whole team is guards. Uh, The Pistons, they got Bojan Bogdanovic on the team. Like It feels like there's already kind of a redundancy there. Uh, The Hornets, uh, who knows what the Hornets, I guess they could throw a ton of money at Gary Trent Jr. and just be Hornetsy all up in up in here over that and if that's the case then enjoy your four years hundred mil uh or whatever you get from the hornets gary um the lakers they're probably signing Kyrie with that cap space if they keep the cap space um the pacers they have, they're all guards like yeah yeah i was about to say the lakers have like a malik beasley who yeah. does a lot of things that gary does so yeah and then beyond yeah. that there's not a lot of teams with cap space that is projected and for a sign and trade to happen like there's things that make sign and trades prohibitive, right? Like you type your cap space. I think it's just for 24 hours now that you have to wait for the, whether they're going to match or not, but still you type your cap space at a time where having your cap space open is valuable. Uh, and also you hard cap yourself if you complete a sign and trade as well. And so, um, or you run the risk of it. I'm not sure the exact ways in which you hard cap yourself, but sign and trades often end up in being hard capped. And I don't see a contending team looking at Gary Trent Jr. and being like, this guy is worth all of the hassle that comes with a sign and trade. He's not quite that tier of player and mm-hmm. so i kind of wonder if he's just looking around and it's like well it's kind of like kyle lowry in 2017 there's not really a, a home for me so i'm just going to re-up here for maybe less than i wanted um but it, it's just what there is obviously to be a lesser figure than the 3 100 kyle signed back in 2017 um you know i also think if he's negotiating with the raptors he's at the sort of unfortunate sort of crossroads where Jakob Pertl is going to make more money than him because he's a better player and a more effective player and the Raptors invested more in him. And if Jakob Pertl is only going to make the 18 to 20 million, it sounds like he's probably going to command, then Gary's going to come in under that, you would think. 
Um, it's it's tricky. It also yeah. definitely comes down to what does he want? Is he okay with a six-man role? I actually think he could win six-man of the year next year if they just brought him back and let him loose off the bench all season long with a little bit more support in terms of complementary pieces in those second units, perhaps like an actual backup point guard, for example. Um, but you know, does he want that for himself? I guess is a big question. I, you know, I feel compelled by the way he bought in this season, but we don't know. This was the same issue we talked about with OG yesterday. We don't know what these guys' intentions are right now. We don't know the relationship with Nick Nurse and whether a coaching change would improve or decrease their chances of wanting to be back. Um, it seems like everybody kind of has their own little uh, <laughs> sort of things with Nick Nurse. I don't know. Um, everyone said nice things about him at the end of the season, but it's hard to say. Let's get into the question of the day here from our Discord user, Duncan uh, Jamar. The question is, is Gary even a top 30 shooting guard in the league, and what team sees him as such? Um, I I feel like this is maybe a bit of a harsh reading on Gary Trent Jr. (laughs) Yeah, that is kind of harsh. Top 30, like you get into some of the weeds of like uh, Chris Duarte's and stuff like that. Like he's better than those guys. Like you get down the list of, of shooting guards. Um, you know, Patrick Beverly is a starting shooting guard right now. Like I'd rather have Gary Trent Jr. than Pat Beverly and all that. Yeah. Um, where are you at right now with um, with Gary and sort of his status within the league? I do feel like he's probably slightly overrated by Raptors fans, just as every player is overrated by their own fan base. But uh, I, I feel like this is a bit of an underrating from Duncan, who of course is part of the fan base. This is not the, the general we were talking about here. It's not everybody's feelings, but um, yeah, like he would be a starter on a lot of teams, I would think. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's, yeah. Top 30 is basically a starting shooting guard. And, mm-hmm. you know, obviously you have a couple teams where, you know, they have multiple guys, <laughs> at that position he's for it's like okay but either one of them could start like for example the clippers have uh paul george and norman powell so sure. but i think that yeah i would put him in the top 30 i mean it'd probably be in the if i were to give an actual number probably in the 25 to 28 range but i think he's in the top 30 and mm-hmm. a team when you're talking about contenders that uh, could use a guy like Gary, but the, I just the money wouldn't work. Yeah, D- Denver has no bench, really, in terms nope. of like. <laughs> you see what happens when Jokic is off the court. They have no mm-hmm. bench, and that's why they also have to keep Jamal Murray or Jokic in the game at all times. They definitely could use a guy like Gary, but they can't afford him. They have so much money tied up between Porter and Gordon and Jokic and Murray. So, yeah. Um, yeah. That, that was the one team I was thinking about when you're running off all those teams, but I don't even have to think of their money situation. But yeah, in terms of that question, I I, I feel Gary's provided enough that he's a top 30 shooting guard. That's just... Yeah, like, opinion. I don't think he's like a top tier shooting guard or anything yeah, like that. No, 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 I think no, no. You are, like, yeah, you are better off if he's coming off the bench. And look, I, I think... The way they used him down the stretch, he still played 32 minutes a game after the act trade, right? Or, or I have that number uh, more accurately here. He played 28 minutes a game after the act trade. 32 minutes on the season was his average. 28 with Yak on the team. Like, he was closing games over Yak. He played more minutes than Yak on a per-minute basis uh, or per-game basis during that stretch as well. Obviously, he missed some time with injury, too. Um, you know, I, I think there is a role for him. And, you know, I've kind of maintained, I think the problem with this year's team, yes, the the starters maybe didn't quite get it done in certain stretches and, you know, up and down season from Fred, all that. But this team stunk because players seven through 15 were not good enough and right. could not support what the starters were doing or what Gary Trent Jr. was doing off the bench. And I just think uh, addressing that 
will lift Gary Trent Jr. and make him seem like a better player because you're not dependent on him so much. That's the thing. I think Gary Trent Jr., they should look long and hard at bringing him back because I don't think it's going to cost a crazy amount of money, and shooting is valuable. He's still only like 24 years old. Um, I I think there's plenty of argument for bringing him back, but if you're bringing him back to occupy the same extremely high-usage, dependent role that you had him in this year, you're asking for trouble because he's not quite that guy, but you put a better group of players around him. We've seen him really thrive playing off of Pascal Siakam, for example. That duo has typically historically been very good. Um, You know, I I think there's plenty you can do with Gary Trent Jr. I just, you can't have it be that everything rests on him having a good game. And that was, I think, just like the problem with this Raptors team, far too dependent on six guys being good every single night. And you just can't have that over the course of 82 games. Um, Any parting shots here on Gary Trent Jr.? Any last thoughts you want to leave the listeners with before we wrap this bad boy up, Jamar? I have a question for you, actually. Yeah, what you you got? If if you're just giving him a straight grade for this season, what would it be? I think probably like a like a B, B? Yeah. right? Like I, yeah. I don't think it was perfect. I, I think the yeah. defense continues to kind of leave you wanting a little bit, but um, you know he was pretty like he had like a forty five game stretch in the middle of the year where he was lights out and, and mm-hmm. really really good in his role, and so maybe even a B plus. Like I I think he That's was. It sucked that he was a complete pumpkin down the stretch. Like getting back from injury, he never quite found it again outside of the last game of the season against the Bucks, which meant nothing. Right. Um, you know, he was not having him on in that Bulls game was totally devastating. <laughs> they couldn't even close the way they wanted to because he wasn't on, right? Like they wanted to close small with Yak out and they just couldn't justify it because Gary did not have it. Um, but I, I think those sort of flashpoint moments, like we talked about, the. Things where he, the nights where he looked off, they felt worse because they were so damaging to the Raptors' chances of just merely winning the game. And if you can kind of limit the dependence on him, it makes him a lot better player, I think. Um, anything you want to plug, dude, before we wrap it up? Uh, Raptors Republic is my work on there. You know, obviously, with the Raptors not playing, it's a little bit of a dry time right now. Yeah, recap, yeah. Daddy has no uh, recaps to Daddy. What the hell? I know, right? <laughs> uh, I do have something coming. Up. I'm waiting for a little bit more of a downtime to do it, but I do have a piece coming out at some point during the playoffs where I am going to uh, declare the best Raptor at every single number. So that will be fun. Like, for example, 10 DeRozan, 7 Mm -hmm. Andrea Bargnani. Damn right, 7 Andrea (laughs) Bargnani. (laughs) So, yeah, uh, it'll probably be somewhere between, you know, when we get that long-ass break between the conference finals and the finals, it'll probably be a better time to put it out. I'm not going to put it out while there's NBA games on every single day. But, yeah, see, (laughs) that's Well, of course, you don't want to distract from the NBA games with your piece that is going to uh, be the only thing I think about, because this is really why I watch basketball, is number, (laughs) numerology, and semantics and all that. Uh I'm. So. I sound like I'm joking and being an ass. I'm dead serious. I would rather read your piece than think about Draymond Green stomping on Demontis Sabonis' <laughs> sternum ever again. Um, so looking forward <laughs> to that one, man, for sure. <clears throat> yeah, there's cool. some interesting debates. Like for example, 24, Mo Peter, Norm Powell. So yeah, ooh, I, uh, a, a debate I'll be addressing in my ranking every Raptor as well. Which you were a reminder drops on Monday. The first part we're talking Lamarck Baker, baby. Everyone's favorite. Guy who played two career NBA minutes after slogging away in minor leagues for like eight years only to get two minutes of action, miss his only shot, and never play in the NBA again. That 
is a tease to the start of ranking every Raptor. Jamar, thanks so much, man. Everyone, please go follow the show on Instagram. Subscribe, follow, rate, review for free on your favorite podcast apps. It's always appreciated. Uh, and thanks as always to the everyday listeners. You are the very, very best. And if you want to be my best friend, be an everyday listener yourself, huh? Also, join the Discord. It's in the uh, link in the description. You can join the Discord and come talk ball. Also, uh, baseball, the the playoffs, eventually Zelda Tears of the Kingdom once I start playing that only and not talking to anybody else in my life. All that, it's going to be there in the Discord. It's a fun time. Come hang. We'll leave it there. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you again on Monday with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Thanks for hanging. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 